welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 20th of June 2010, entitled Stand Up and Be a Man, and the Bible readings are taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 16 verses 13 and 14 and 1 Kings chapter 2 verses 1 to 4. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. First of all, if you'd like to open your Bibles, the Old Testament to the book of 1 Kings chapter 2. 1 Kings chapter 2, hold your finger there, turn over into the New Testament to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Now originally, the message this evening was supposed to be coming from the 1 Corinthians chapter 16. I went back to 1 Kings just to use that as sort of an introduction, illustration, but I never got away from there to get back to 1 Corinthians 16. But what I want you to see here is that... uh, we're being told again in the, in the New Testament, uh, precisely what we were told in the Old Testament in these verses, I invite you to stand with me to honor the reading of God's Word, reading first of all from 1 Corinthians chapter 16, just verses 13 and 14. He says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit ye like men, be strong, let all your things be done with charity. And in 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, Now the days of David drew nigh that he should die. And he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies as it is written in the law of Moses, that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest and whithersoever thou turnest thyself, that the Lord may continue his word which he spake concerning me, saying, If thy children take heed to their way, to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, there shall not fail thee, said he, a man on the throne of Israel. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for this time that we have together this evening once again to look into your word. Lord, as we look here now, we just pray, Lord, that you would touch, that you would strengthen, that you would anoint. Lord, you know the hearts of each one here this evening. Lord, may each one be able to gain something from this that they can take away with them, and we'll give you the praise and glory for it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, certainly as we mentioned this morning, as we wish the men a happy Father's Day, but of course, we think of Father's Day, we think not only of just natural dads, the good and the bad and those that have and those that don't have and those that had good ones and those that had bad ones and those that maybe didn't have the biological, but there was somebody else that had to take that place and all these different things because people's lives are so different today. People's lives are such that there aren't many perfect families left out there because Satan has certainly had the family under his attack for a long time. And yet the principles that are laid down there are applicable to each and every one of us, whether we be man or woman. Did you know, ladies, that before Eve was a woman, she was a man? But you didn't know that, did you? 
And of course, your pastor hasn't completely gone crazy, but if you look back into Genesis, that's exactly true. When God created them, both male and female, <laughs> and they were called Adam to start with uh, until, of course, he asked Adam to name her and he called her woman. But, uh, uh, but this evening, as we look at this passage here, my, my main thrust, my main aim this evening is yes, at the men as we think of this thought, stand up and be a man. Because I say unashamedly, God needs some men. He needs some men that are willing to take a stand, that will stand up for him, that will stand up and be counted. But the same principles apply to each and every one of us as Christians. Ladies, we'll let you eavesdrop on the message for the men this evening, but I assure you the principles that are there for the men, God needs women that will stand up and be counted as well. And so as we look at this passage this evening, we find that here in 1 Kings, as we look here, that of course, David is still king of Israel. We find that at this particular moment, it is a time of one of the greatest times in the history of the nation of Israel. Israel at this time is without a doubt the greatest and strongest and most powerful nation on the face of the earth. There is absolutely no one else to compete with her. And of course, as we look at history, we can see that nations have risen and nations have fallen. But there is no other nation that has had the hand of God upon it like the nation of Israel. We find that as we look around and we hear terms today, you know, we find that after World War II, that the United States of America, of course, the economy after it had recovered from what was known as the Great Depression following the war, there was a great rise of national pride. And of course, prosperity began to set in upon that nation like never before. They had just set off the biggest bomb that had ever been exploded, a nuclear bomb, and as a result, they were looked upon for all their power, being able to, to, to destroy other nations. Of course, the enemies had been defeated, and we realized that that had to be, and that was in God's destiny. Matter of fact, many, many, many had lost their lives, and many nations had been destroyed. Of course, the Cold War set in, and all the, the arms race, and everybody fighting to be able to, to have that position of being the most powerful. It was during those years also that that one man who was the president of the United States began to be known, and we still hear that term as the most powerful man on earth. Why? Because of the amount of power that was at his disposal. We find that as we look into God's Word here, Israel is the one that was in that position at this time. As a matter of fact, few countries in all of history have ever known that kind of position. Most of their enemies had been defeated at this time. They were enjoying glorious prosperity in their nation. And David, as the king that sat upon that throne, he was undoubtedly the most powerful man on earth at that time. Now, 
In this passage of Scripture, King David, the most powerful man alive on this earth, he was facing that one enemy that each and every one will face one day, for it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. King David was dying. That's exactly what our passage says. Now the days of David drew nigh that he should die. His day had come. And he charged Solomon his son saying, I go the way of all the earth. I go the way that everyone else has gone and will go. And he's speaking of his death there. So these words that we are reading here are in essence... We know under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, these are the words of this dying man of King David upon his deathbed as he's leaving this world and he's speaking to his son Solomon who is to take that position after him. I'm going the way of the earth. I'm dying, Solomon. Now what would be a man with this kind of power a man with, that was the world's greatest leader of his day, what is he going to say to his son? I mean, you look around and, and, and they're enjoying all the success. They've almost got all of their enemies out of the way, but of course there's, there's always another parcel of land to take somewhere. <laughs> we know that even in the king's house, there had been challenges, there had been enemies that had risen up against him, evil men with with great ambitions, those that were power-hungry that had threatened David himself. Now his son is about to step into that position. What is Solomon's advice to his son? Notice what he says. I go the way of all the earth. Solomon, be thou strong. Be thou strong. Therefore, Solomon, I'm leaving here. I'm on my way out, but you've got to be strong. Well, that's a pretty, I guess, natural piece of advice for a father to give to his son, to show his strengths. Your papa, your dad, your father, your old man, he's about to go out of here. He's about to leave this world. You've got to be strong. You've got to show the other nations that you're just as strong as I was. What does it mean to be strong? What exactly was King David really saying to Solomon? His first piece of advice to him, Solomon, I'm dying. I'm not going to be here with you anymore. Therefore, be thou strong. You see lots of these four-by-four four commercials. And they've usually got big holes and big rocks. And it shows these big rugged machines that can just take any kind of punishment and be blasted around all over the place and still come out in one piece. Strong. We see the commercials of all these heroes. They've got the, the power to thrash and the power to kill. Well, that's strength in one view, but that's, that's not the kind of strength that I believe David is advising his son of here. That's not the kind of strength, that's not what God means when he says, be strong. 
Notice, notice what he puts with that. Be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man. Be strong, David, and show yourself to be a man. Well, what does it mean to be a man? We all, you know, no crying. Men aren't allowed to cry. That's not very manly. You've got to be like John Wayne. You've got a deep, strong voice. Well, I guess John Wayne's kind of over the hill now. I don't know. Vin Diesel or whoever they are these days. <laughs> these big heroes, you know. <laughs> Those fighting words. <laughs> of course, we hear the opposite many times, and even children use them with each other's. Oh, don't be a wimp. Don't be a pansy. Don't be a loser. Don't be a sissy. Don't be like, don't act like a girl. Act like a man. David says, son, be strong. Be a man. Well, I want you to notice what ties right in with this same sentence. Notice what he goes on to tell him here is required. Solomon, I go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man, and keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that thou mayest prosper in all thou doest, and whithersoever thou turnest thyself. Show yourself to be a man. Walk in the ways of the Lord. Stay, stay true to God's charge, to what God requires of you. Walk in his ways. And I mean, boy, he covers all the bases here. Keep his statutes, his commands, his judgments, his, his testimonies, whatever God says. You need to listen to it. You need to abide by it. He says, according to what is written in the law of Moses, according to what is in God's written word. That was God's written word that they had. That's what God had, had given them. Solomon, you've got to walk according to everything that God says. Be strong. Show yourself to be a man by walking the way that God wants you to walk. That's how you're going to prosper, Solomon. You see, being a real man, being a real man, a man in God's eyes, First of all, requires conversion. Notice his words there. And keep the charge of what? The Lord thy God. The Lord thy God. You've got to learn how to approach God. You can't call him your Lord, your God, unless you have a, a relationship with him. You see, being a real man requires First of all, conversion. Having a relationship with God himself through Jesus Christ alone. Being a real man means, first of all, being saved, being a child of God. The reality is many times the world, they look and they think that that's a, a weak thing. You've got to have some kind of a crutch. You're one of those religious fanatics. You don't have the strength to stand up on your own. And yet the truth is that it takes real strength. It's easy to go to the way of the world. It's easy to just to go along with the crowd. It's easy to do what's appeasing and pleasing in everybody else's eyes. But King David, 
God's vessel, the most powerful man on the earth. As he's leaving this world, his advice to his son is, Son, I'm about to leave here, but you need to be strong. You need to be strong, Solomon. You find that you need to stand up and show yourself to be a man. And you're going to do that by walking with the Lord. Admitting the fact, first of all, that you've got to have him. You see, each and every one of us, first it means admitting that we're a sinner, that we've made wrong choices, that we're separated from God. Believing the Lord Jesus Christ. Believing that he is who he says he is. That he'll do what he says he'll do. Believing that he died in your place for the death that you deserved. Believing that he was sufficient sacrifice to pay for your sins for all of eternity. Believing that when they put him in that tomb, that death could not hold him. Why? Because that sacrifice was sufficient. He conquered it all. You see, it's about repentance. It's about a decision which leads to an act to turn away from the sinful world, to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, to begin living out what he desires in you and not what you desire in yourself. You see, true conversion will be evidenced by a changed heart and a changed life. Being a real man requires conversion. And of course, if that's never happened in a person's life, if they're not saved, if they're not going to spend eternity with the Lord in heaven, no matter how good they are, no, how much, no matter how much better they are than anybody else they know, no matter how many good things they've done, no matter how many times they've been baptized and how many churches they've been members of and how many times they've taken communion and all these other things, it doesn't matter how many times that they've, they've prayed their prayers and talked to God, if they've never, ever humbled themselves as a sinner and sought forgiveness, then they'll never be able to be a real man. Not in God's sight. All they are will come to an abrupt end, just as it did with King David. The way the rest of the world, this life will end. But I want you to tell you, David said to Solomon, Solomon, be strong. Be strong. Show yourself to be a real man. Walk with the Lord. You see, the Lord thy God. Let the Lord be your God, Solomon. Being a real man requires conversion, but it requires something else. It requires more than just being converted and no longer being on your way to that place called hell, but being headed for that place to spend eternity in that place called heaven. Being a real man also requires conformity. Not just conversion, the Lord thy God. But he says here, walk in his ways. Keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, his testimonies. The Apostle Paul said, 
Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds. True transformation should bring about a genuine conforming to the very image of Jesus Christ himself. David is saying to Solomon, walk in his ways. Be a real man, Solomon. Be a godly man. Be a godly example to all those around you. See, too many have this idea. I can follow God in my own way. I believe in God. I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. He knows my heart. I don't have to do things the way other people are doing them. Well, that depends on who those other people are, <laughs> whether those other people are following God. You see, last time I checked, following God actually means doing something that imitates him. He was pointing Solomon to God's words, God's commandments, God's statutes, God's judgments. That's how you're going to know how to walk. You find that some might say, I believe in God. I can follow God without all that religious stuff. <laughs> well, that depends too on what religious stuff you're talking about. <laughs> There's an awful lot of man-made religious stuff that we could do without, that we can all do without. But as we saw this morning, there's that pure and undefiled religion as well. The things you do when you tell someone, I'll follow God. I'll believe in God my own way. Well, the real test comes, are those things godly things? Are they something that you can find and support with the Word of God and not just your own wisdom? Are they following God? You see, there's nothing wrong with doing what somebody else is doing if what they're doing is imitating Christ. But if they're just imitating some church and some denomination, no, you don't need it. But I hope that there's somebody else on this narrow path. <laughs> I know that we can be few. But boy, isn't it encouraging and isn't it strengthening when you find somebody else that's on that road with you sometimes and you're not alone? And you do want to live lives that are alike. You do want to live godly lives. We find that I'm saying to you, David said to Solomon, Solomon, be strong. Show yourself to be a man. Being a real man requires conversion. Conversion. Being converted from that old man to the new. It requires conformity. Being conformed to the image of Christ, not to this world. Being a real man requires consistency. You see, too many times the world hears a bunch of words but they don't see the consistent lifestyle to go along with it. As it is written in the law of Moses, he says here, I want you to walk with the Lord as it is written in the Word of God. David is very specific about being strong and showing himself to be a man by walking in God's ways not as man thinks it ought to be, not as the denomination says it should be, but according to God's Word. 
That's where consistency needs to be. A real man must have consistency in his Christian walk. And that can only come by being consistent with what God has written. Man's ideas will change. The church's ideas will change. But God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The consistency, the consistency that matters is to be consistent with God, to be consistent in our, our walk. It must be according to His Word, according to His principles. What do our children, our spouses, our neighbors, the people we work with, the people that we're in contact with, what do they see in our Christian lives? I don't have time to really dwell there this evening, but just two passages, just a couple of things to touch on in passing. In Ephesians chapter 5, these are familiar words to most of you, I'm sure. In Ephesians chapter 5, notice what it says in verse 21. He says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water. By the word, we find that First of all, this consistency must begin in the home. You see, so many times, so many times the men want to take pride and say, yeah, I'm the head of the house. <laughs> I'm the boss. I got the power. The truth is, as we look there, yes, he's the head of the house, and if it's any other way, then it's out of God's order, but we're supposed to be loving that wife just like Christ loved the church and was willing to lay down and die for her good. That's not throwing power around and showing how brutish you can be. But it is taking responsibility. And you'll be held accountable to God. You know, we find there in the garden, and we won't go back and spend time there either, but yeah, it was Eve that took the fruit what do you reckon Adam was? What do you reckon he was? The Bible doesn't tell us specifically, does it? Some think, oh, he must have been on the other side of the garden somewhere. But most believe, no, he's probably right there with her. Probably right there with her. But he didn't stand up and be strong as the man and take the responsibility. Oh, yeah, he was quick when God came along. Oh, it wasn't me. It was her that got in trouble to point the blame, to lay it. So she did it. But the responsibility fell on Adam's shoulders. Men, stand up and act like a man. It's got to begin in your home. It's got to begin in your home. And that's not being some kind of a, a brute, 
taking out your whip and your stick and saying, I'm going to get my way. It's taking responsibility for what's right and wrong. You will be held accountable. Take responsibility seriously. And, of course, we find that it's not just in the home, but, of course, we find uh, another passage in Hebrews chapter 10. And in verse 24, Verse 24 and 25 says, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. It means we need men in the homes. Folks, it means we need men in the churches too. We find that There's a specific reason. There's a specific purpose. God has written it. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. And yet many times we can't even be bothered to be there with one another. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. I don't need to be there. Number one, you think you've arrived. That's a pretty foolish place to be. But you know, the fact is this. You don't come to church. If you're coming to church for what you need and what you get, then you're probably not getting anything anyway. You're not here for you. You're here, first of all and foremost, because God deserves it. God deserves his worship. You go right back through the word of God. No, you don't have to do it like anybody else. But God has always had a place that has been set aside for His people to come together and for His people to worship Him. We're out there, we're in the world, and God created it, and it's all beautiful. But He's always had a place for His people to come together. First of all and foremost for Him, we think we do it so much. Oh, wow, you know, twice in one day, and then again in the middle of the week? What do you expect of me? The early church was there every day, every day, because that was the center of their life, not just something they had tacked onto the outside with everything else that they had to do. You know what? As we begin to look, we begin to see not only do we come together, but if we look at the Word of God, you ought to be here, first of all and foremost, for God. But look at who's sitting beside you right now, in front of you, behind you. You're here to provoke somebody else to love. You're here to strengthen and encourage somebody else. How strong will our church be if it's always a cripple? It can never even, I'd be hard-pressed. I'd be so hard-pressed to try to find a time when all of just this body right here at Bethel has all been together at one time in one place. Part of it's always missing. The truth is, folks, if you're coming because you think you got to be here, you won't be any more a Christian. But you come for God and you come for others. You'll be amazed at what God will do for you. The church can never, ever. Are you not part of it? Does your body function as well? He goes to great detail to try to get us to understand. You know, if, if you're a finger or an arm, if that part's just gone, if it's just missing, 
Is the body going to function as well without it? You want to whack off an arm or a leg? Are you going to work as well as when you're there and everything's working well and everything's healthy? No. But think of others. He says, don't forsake the coming together, the assembling of yourselves together like some people are. He says, exhorting one another. You're doing it for the other one. You're doing it for the whole. All the gifts, everything that God gives us. It's always for the other person. It's always for the whole body, not for me. Too many people are so accustomed. They've got so sidetracked by the world's views. They think that they're coming to church for what they can get so that they can have an enjoyable spiritual time. So that they can somehow go away thinking, boy, hasn't that been great? Rather than coming to give themselves, first of all, to God because He deserves glory. I need to come away from the world. I need to come together with my brothers and sisters. And we need to magnify and lift Him up. When we sing, are we singing from our heart? Are we thinking about the words that we're singing? Are we lifting Him high in this place? We're just singing because the words are up there on the screen. (laughs) We're not even thinking about it. Are you looking? Are you trying to see who you can minister to instead of whether or not you need to be ministered to this evening? Who can you be a blessing to? Who needs a word? Who needs just a hug? Who needs that little something that you can give yourself to? You see, Solomon is being told by his father David, Solomon, be strong. Stand up and act like a man. You need to walk in God's way according to His Word. That's going to require a conversion. Being a child of God, that's going to require some conforming. Being conformed into Christ's image and not our own. That's going to require some consistency in our Christian life. Consistency in the home. And in the house of God, you ever stop and think? I know you've heard me ask it before, but you ever really stop and think? How strong would this church be if every member was just like me? How many services would this church have? Should we just shut down and just have one a week or one every other week? How strong? How strong would this church be? If every member were just like me. You ever hear that? Oh, man, but the church is so full of hypocrites. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) Church is full of hypocrites. But you know what? There's probably hypocrites where you work at, but you still go to work too, don't you? (laughs) Oh, but I got to work though. I got to have the money. Well, what kind of priority does God have in your life? You've got to worship Him. That He is the primary, the the number one. You see, they're hypocrites at the grocery store. (laughs) But you still got to go buy your groceries, don't you? You can go through the whole list of things. (laughs) I was reading one writer here a while back, and he put it this way, and I thought that was pretty good. He said, If you believe the church is so full of hypocrites, why don't you be man enough to show the rest of us just how to live it right? 
But if everybody else is getting it wrong, what excuse is that not to do it right? We find that if we're going to be a real man, ladies, please take that in the right sense. There needs to be a conversion. There needs to be some conforming. Not our flesh, but the Lord Jesus Christ. There needs to be some consistency, living according to his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, his word. I give you this final one. Being a real man requires some convictions. Everything we do for God one way or another, it comes back to the inside, not the outside. Notice what he said there in verse 4. Walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul. Convictions come from within. If you're going to succeed in being a real man, it's going to require some real convictions. I'm telling you today, there's too many, too many Christians that have no real convictions in their life. And as a result, they have no real power in their lives. Find that I read this illustration using a heart surgeon that you don't have to go to school for six or eight or ten years to be a heart surgeon. Husbands and dads, you hold the hearts of your children and wives in the palms of your hand every day of your lives. And many don't even realize it. They care what you think. Well, at least they did. You hold their hearts. You can do with them what you want. You can reach into that heart and you can tenderly hold it and do something that is necessary to to keep life's energies flowing. You can scratch it. You can pierce it. You can rip it from the chest and stomp on it. You can nourish it. You can grow it. You can be the instrument of God's choosing to powerfully influence, to allow it to radiate such intense beauty. Have you ever really stopped and thought the effect that you can have somebody else's heart. Your convictions come from your own heart. But without those convictions, if you don't care if what you're doing is right or wrong, if you don't care if it's what God wants, if you don't have any real conviction over it, how's it affecting the people around you? How does your life affect their hearts? What good does all this do? I know what David was saying to Solomon. He said that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest and whithersoever thou turnest thyself so that God's blessing, God's hand can be upon you wherever you are, whatever you're doing. And he says in verse 4, that the Lord may continue his word which he spake concerning me so that God's promises can actually be fulfilled in you and in your life. For David, he goes on, that, that promise was very simple, that as long as his descendants followed God, they would sit upon the throne in that place of power. But if they turned away, that promise would no longer be fulfilled. 
See, Psalm 127, verses 1 to 5. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed. They shall speak with the enemies in the gate. See, there's a few things there that you could think of. First of all, <laughs> you know, if anybody's building that house except the Lord, it's not going to stand. He's the only one that can build it. The great heritage of the children, likening them to arrows. Of course, one thing about an arrow is that you've got to point it in some direction before you release it. Fathers, what direction? we pointing our children in. What an awesome responsibility that is. But that goes down to you too, mothers and Christians in general, those that we're in contact with. And of course, he shows us the blessing here. Happy is the man that hath his quiverful. My, my, my pastor told me after, that was after Tyler was born and he made number five. He said, I think your quiverful, quiver's full now. <laughs> but, uh, we still had room for one more, amen. The short Lord is showing us here this awesome gift, but the awesome responsibility that goes with it. My simple thought this evening, ladies, if you'll take it in the right spirit, for you and the men here, stand up and be a man for your Christian faith. Be strong. Stand up and show that strength. Stand up and show that manlyhood in the right way. Of course, we began with those verses in 1 Corinthians, watch ye, be attentive, watch ye, stand fast in the faith. That next word there, quit ye like men. I, I saw one sermon by one pastor one time, and he used this passage, and he said, men, it's time to quit. Of course, the word quit there didn't mean throwing up your hands like it does now. <laughs> really, quit ye like men. It's just like what we just got through saying David stand, say to Solomon. <laughs> Show yourself to be a man. Show yourself to be a man. Be strong. Let all things be done with charity. I'm saying this evening, in our country, in our homes, in our churches, God needs some people that will stand and be strong. Stand up, be strong. Stand up and show your strength. Stand up like a man. Don't be a wimp, but not a man in God's eyes. I mean, not a man in the world's eyes, but to be a man in God's eyes, the kind of men that God wants. Father, we thank you this evening that, Lord, as we look into your word, we see these words of 
King David to his son Solomon. We see these words that the Apostle Paul writes to the church at Corinth. Father, we realize this evening that our lives need to count. Lord, we need people that, first of all, have been converted, genuinely saved, born again, and that those saved people are conformed to the image of Christ, that Christ is being seen through their lives and not themselves, that day by day, Lord, there's a consistency there, that as they walk with you according to your word, well, we know that people aren't perfect and everybody here makes mistakes, and Lord, that's not what we're talking about. But Father, we need to be doing those things that are consistent with, with your word. And Father, we need some conviction. We need convictions in our hearts, our souls. We need to believe it from within. Nothing will take us from our course. Help us, Lord, to be a people with real convictions that have been placed there because of your word. I pray that you'd help us all this evening. We'd be willing to take the kind of stand so that our ways may prosper. Wherever we are, whatever we're doing, that part doesn't make geographical location, has nothing to do with it. That we might know your blessings, Father, in our lives, that your promises might be able to be fulfilled because we're a people that's true to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm. 